Hello and welcome to Connected episode 380. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Bombus, FitBod, and New Relic. I am your annual chairman, Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by two other people. Hello, Federico Vatici. Hello. But was that necessary? Like that, that sort of like you are the chairman and we are two other people? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, you know... How it how it is my first time being annual chairman so oh yeah you're doing a good job thank you mm-hmm. also joined by Mike Hurley you failed <laughs> as your first role as annual chairman like your first thing your first thing as annual chairman was to begin the closing ceremonies and you didn't even do it. So I'm not even sure at this point if the past Rickies can even count if we did not follow the Bill of Rickies to its end. The Bill of Rickies was not completed. In the Bill of Rickies, it states that there must be a closing ceremonies. We did not do that last time. So I'm not sure if we can hold on to the result of you actually being annual chairman at this point. We may need to take it away from you. I mean, maybe get some fail. friends together. Mm-hmm. In some sort of crowd. We're going to come on down and say hi. And, and try take- to stop me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you've twisted history a little bit here, but sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's January. It's the time of year for it. So we uh-huh. are, uh, yes, we were apologetic about this. It, look, it was the first time we are going to have the closing I don't. Whoa, whoa. I don't apologize. I noticed it. And you didn't. I said it. You didn't notice it until after the show was done. But it's also not my job, you know. Is it my job, though? Is I it the job like of the annual chairman? Yours. You you read it that's, that's always, true. right? And that's you true. were the annual chairman. So I feel like it's kind of your responsibility to make sure the closing ceremony. Because wow. my tricky is sitting here, and I'm still the annual chairman, according well, to my tricky. Chain, and okay. I have been well, for let's, the past change, week. let's change our trophies. Well, are we doing the closing ceremonies now? Is that what you're saying? Yes, right okay. now. Yeah, but my trophy is in the other room, so... Uh, See, so we can't even do the closing ceremony. And your your Mac tricky is still in a box in the UPS warehouse. Yeah, so. You know what? I'm going to do something. If someone out there works for UPS and can help us with this, <laughs> send me an email. Because well, <laughs> we can't figure it out. <laughs> filled out paperwork. We have both spoken. I've spoken to UPS on the phone twice about this. And it's just sitting in a warehouse. It gets scanned every morning at between 1030 and 11 a.m. <laughs> And Parcel's like, hey, we have a, a warehouse scan, but it never goes out for delivery, and I don't understand why. All right, I can confirm I've changed my tricky. I would like to bring a... Uh, I have a thought today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just one? So, one, <laughs> I had one thought for the entire day, but I think okay. it's a good one. We'll find out. If it isn't, and my day has been a complete write-off. So, we were changing the time... By the way, if you listen live to the show... Uh, you can you can at relay.fm slash live and if you're a relay fm member you can listen live and talk in our discord if you want to become a member and support this show go to getconnectedpro.co ad free longer shows and you get a bunch of stuff we are now going to be recording the show 30 minutes earlier than we usually do which i think is 11 30 eastern time eastern u.s time it is 12 30 eastern 11 30 central anyway so when we were talking about this, Stephen said, as annual chairman, I'll allow it, which was a very funny haha joke. But it did make me think about something. Now, I don't know what this means yet, but I just want to put this on the, like, you know, just want to put this out there. And this is the thought. This is the thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Should we stand up? 
if you want to, I don't think it's necessary. Should the annual chairman have some kind of special presiding control over the show for that time? It's a slippery slope toward. Yep. You know, but dictatorship. So the annual chairman can make decisions about the show through the time that they hold their chairmanship. This is something I'm putting out. I think chaos could ensue in a good way and a bad way, but all entertaining. That is the suggestion that I will make to the group. That is my one thought for the day. What do you think? I'm okay with it this year as a trial. Well, yeah, you would be. But maybe we don't do it next year. Nope. doesn't work like that. Mm. If we do it, we do it. It goes into the bill, and then we do it. What if... Okay, let's make it a, let's make it a bit more fun, a bit more like a game. Whoa, hang on. That's that's unfair to say. I may have suggested something really fun. Hold on. What okay. if you can do it, but you got to choose wisely because you can only do it once. Ooh, you got to make one change to the show a year. <laughs> I gotta, like it. Yes. You can you can pick like a destructive change. Mm-hmm. Maybe you you got to choose wisely because you got to pick maybe the appropriate time, you know, of the year. Like you can you can play this strateg- strategically, I think. So, I would if Steven agrees, I would recommend that we make an unprecedented off-schedule change to the Bill of Rickies. Ooh. Well, I think I'm the only one who has power. Well, like, I, mean, I mean, don't I have to decide? That could be my one thing. We have off-cycle rule changes. No, I don't. Well, I mean, that could be your thing, but we, you can't make that decision before you've, right? Because you can't retroact. That's like we're in a time loop. You can't make that decision and put it in until, the, right? You can't, you, oh, my brain's breaking now. You see, because we'd have to do it. Right, which would be the off-schedule change. So you can't say that my rule is I will make an off-schedule change because we can't make this a rule until we've made the off-schedule change to the Bill of Rickies. No, you lost me. You lost me a while This is an infinite loop problem. Okay, so I am saying we would have to do something unprecedented here and allow for a change to the Bill when we're not doing the Rickies. Steven said, what if that's the thing that I change? Well, he can't change it. Unless we've already changed it. No, but that allows for recursion to... Like, it, it cannot be a recursive change where you allow that. Exactly. And therefore, you your see? one change allows for more changes. Uh, right. <laughs> because the thing is, you can't make this decision <laughs> until we've already put it in the bill. Can my so one you, change be we never talk about this again? <laughs> yeah, it's basically what it's it's what James is saying in the Discord. You cannot wish for infinite wishes. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have to do, okay, this is what we have to we we well yeah. <laughs> we have to make a decision if we're going to do this. If we're going to do this, we have to agree that on this one occasion we're going to retroactively change the Bill of Rickies, right? to allow Stephen to do this. And it, it should be that the annual chairman gets to make one change to the show over the course of the year. The one change they're definitely not allowed to make is that they can make infinite changes. <laughs> My one change is that Mike edits the show from now on. I mean, you can do that, but then the quality of the show declines. Because if you see, you see, this is the issue. If you say Mike edits the show now, Mike won't edit the show. Okay, I like the idea 
mm-hmm. that the annual chairman gets something in addition to the title and the Twitter account. Yeah. My thought was when you said this, mm-hmm. is that what if that is some sort of special status for the rest of the rookies throughout the year? So I'm not suggesting this, but as an example, I think that's easy to follow. One of the rules is picks cannot be reused within 365 days of first being made. What if the annual chairman is exempt for that when they are annual chairman? As an example. Right. So see, here's the thing, right? This is the thing you would like to see. Hence why my idea is the best one. Because as annual chairman, that's just the decision you make. And then that gets added into what would become an infinitely long bill of rickies over time, which I also really yeah, love. Yeah, but, but, but what kind of change isn't infinite? No, no, no. So what I'm saying is if you say, if you're telling me right now, oh, the thing I would like is this. Mm-hmm. This is what I think the annual chairman should get. Well, that's what you, you have chosen. And then if I win it, then I make my own choice. And then if Federico wins it, he makes his own choice. Isn't that the point? Okay, well, okay, so what if annual chairman can make one change? Mm-hmm. The one change only lasts through the next annual chairman. Mm, see, I want it to go all the time because I just want no, the because rules to it get becomes longer impo- and longer. But it becomes impossible to follow. But that's the point. It becomes a rules game, which it already is anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets out, it gets out of hand. It get yeah. We need to think about this some more because because it gets out of hand fast. So what if okay, Stephen is the honor chairman, and Stephen says now all uh, picks must start with the letter B, for example. <laughs> that's great. Okay, okay, that's and that's it. Uh, that's one rule for 2022. And then next year, Mike is the honor chairman, uh, and says. Uh, okay, so my one amendment to the Bill of Rickies is disregard what the previous chairman said. Now all picks must start with the letter F. Yeah, that's good. But it goes on forever. It's, I don't think it... Yeah, but it, no, but now it's just F. We don't have to worry about B because my decision changes his decision. Hmm. Hmm. I think we need to think on this some more. All I really wanted to bring to the show, which I'm happy about, is that the two of you agree that there could be something fun about giving the annual chairman some kind of power. So I think there should be something, but there should be rules for that something. I mean, of course. Because, like, I feel like there should be some, like, tentpole rules that cannot be touched. Hmm. Like, you cannot say, oh, now I decide that the Ricky, uh, you know, gives you five points. Oh, that's good, though. that part of the rule, no, (laughs) that part of the rules you cannot change. Like, there are some untouchable rules. You know what? I'll tell you why you're right there, because, I, and now I'm get, thinking this through in my head, I'm gaming it through, right? If you get the whole year to make your decision, and you've got one point right, and you're the annual chairman, and you're like, if whoever scores in round two gets 20 points, you know? Yeah. Like, what if yeah. my rule is, uh, in 2022, I win every game? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, what, what we could do is like we could say uh, any change cannot be in contradiction of points one through X of the Bill of Rickies, right? So like the bill is yeah, set in stone. We could do that, or we could form an official connected committee yes. that needs to approve, like a Senate that needs to approve the amendment. God, this is so much greater than I ever could have imagined when I brought it. See, I told you it was a good idea. 
All right. I don't know when we're going to actually work out what this is, but, <laughs> but I guess it needs to be at some point relatively soon. Maybe, maybe it. one of the benefits, see, I'm thinking this as a, as a businessman, maybe one of the benefits of Connected Pro is that you join Discord, right? So yep. the Connected Committee or Senate or Council, whatever you want yes. to call it, is only for members of the Discord, right? So you got... You know, you got that fancy upsell going on for, for, the, for the membership. Um, and, you know, we can figure it out. Maybe. Just an idea. Just an idea. I'm into it. Oh, the House of Rikis is a good name, uh, yes. Joel, from the Discord. The House yep. of Rikis. The House of Rikis is very good. <laughs> Follow up. We haven't really come to any kind of decision on this, have we? No, we're just going to come back to it later. Okay. Uh, hey, Jared, on Twitter, uh, amongst other people, sent in a note that there is indeed a link to the ringtone store within the settings app when you go and select a ringtone. So the store's not in there, but a link is there. And we were talking about, well, if if the iTunes store goes away, where do they put ringtones? There's already some precedent that you could put commerce inside the settings app. Well, it's just a link right now. So though. there was something. And of course, there already is. Actually, I just thought about it as I said that. There already is commerce in the settings app because you can buy more iCloud storage. So Very good point. Apple wants you to buy things wherever you go. Commerce all over the place. Uh, we spoke also about Spotify Hi-Fi, which is, or was, hard to say, uh, Spotify's program to roll out lossless music to its catalog. And there's a quote here from just last week. Uh, where Spotify was asked about this, and they say, uh, we're excited to deliver a Spotify hi-fi experience to premium users in the future, but we don't have timing details to share yet. Yeah, they're not going to do it. (laughs) Uh, I just wonder if maybe they... You know, Apple entering this space was a problem for Spotify. Maybe Spotify were not expecting Apple to just roll it out for free as part of your regular subscription. And uh, they had to deprioritize Spotify Mm -hmm. Hi-Fi because now it's sort of expected that your base regular subscription also gives you access to lossless and high-risk lossless. I don't know. Maybe it's like, to them, this was only worthwhile if they could charge more money for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they can't, so now it's not really worth it. Uh, n- not good for Steven's annual Ricky. Apple to allow alternative payments in South Korea. So this is the thing we spoke about where there was a South Korean ruling and Google was like, okay, we're going to allow for third-party payments, but we're still going to get our cut, right? And so, like, like, oh, you can use this thing, but we're still going to take... We're going to ask you to give us 25% of what would have been the, the purchase price. Apple, and where they had previously just said, we are already compliant, which is something we mentioned before, which is very funny. They have now uh, filed that they are going to be allowing for this um, and that they will still seek their commission. So we'll see what this looks like. But I'm wondering if this could be, like, what they just do everywhere and if it is unfortunately Stephen would not get his annual ricky in that because this would have been a change forced by uh law well the the case is only applicable to south korea so if Mm -hmm. they if they change this in the u.s or the uk no see i would say because if if they use the same system then no. this was a system they only create no. created because of the South Korean we, law. We will argue about that in December. We can, because... but I feel like I'm pretty set on that. But, you know, we can, oh, we can see how that goes for you. 
Federico, can I get your initial ruling on this point? Uh, let me... Where's the, the exact text? Okay, yeah. I'll read the Ricky for you. Apple, not in direct response to a legal case, will allow developers to use payment methods outside of the App Store. Isn't, there literally is a legal case in South Korea. That has no impact whatsoever on American law. But if, they, if it was just wholesale the same thing... Like if whatever they did in South Korea, well, it was always going to be the did same it everywhere. Thing. My pick is about does a judge make them do it or not? Well, there was a judge. We'll argue about it next year. Yeah, I can't I'll wait. Prove, I'll mm-hmm. prove you wrong. Now you won't. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Bombus. Bombus mission is simple: make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy from Bombus, you're also giving to someone in need. Bombas designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxuriously cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere. There's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options, like comfy performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight, so they hang just right. Their underwear has a barely-there feel that might make you forget they're even there, but in a good way. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash connected and get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash connected for 20% off. Bombas.com slash connected. My thanks to Bombas for all the good they do in the world and for supporting Connected and all of Relay FM. Wordle. It sounds like a Pokemon that, that throws a book at you. I love it. Today was the first day that I failed the Wordle since I started playing. Really? Yeah. Uh. Well, okay, very slight spoilers for today's Wordle. US-UK spelling killed me. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. I, yep, never yep, would yep. Have, I never would have conceived of that word. But you've been, you've been uh, Americanized at yeah, this but point. Yeah, with, but with those kinds of things, I never changed to American. Ah, okay, interesting. Right? Interesting. Okay. Spelling is still a thing that, that stays, stays with me. Yeah, he puts U's in words all over the place. Because that's where they belong. You know, what was the expression? There's a British English and there's mistakes. Is that is that the expression? Is that the the, the thing you say? Um, anyway, please send email to Casey. Well, no, our, our English is just English, and then there's American English. You know? <laughs> no one cares. Okay, so so you you lost at Wordle today. I lost at Wordle today, but nevertheless, uh, there was like a thing in the last 24 hours of a bunch of clone apps started appearing in the app store, of course. Which, by the way, I am surprised there isn't an actual Wordle app. I know that the, the, the developer wanted it to be on the web, but I feel like, like you know, I would like it as an app more than I want it as a tab. Hey, is it not an app? Person. I haven't played it. No, it's just a web thing. Okay. Some websites started reporting on this, and then all the clone apps got removed within 24 hours. Uh, one of the things, I, main reasons I wanted to bring this up is I actually really liked your uh, one sentence in your link article on this, Stephen, which is, if only Apple ran some sort of program to approve apps before they appeared on the store. <laughs> and we've, we've mentioned this in the past, which is like, it feels like this was obviously going to happen, right? 
So yep. shouldn't Apple know this and be on the lookout for it? Like, shouldn't there be some kind of rule sent to the App Store approval team to be like, there's going to be clones of this thing called Wordle. Before we approve anything, we need to confirm that it's the creator. Because you could say, why should Apple do that? But then why did they remove all the clone apps then? Right? Like that's the problem, right? You can either allow it or not mm-hmm. allow it. But if you decide not to allow it, then you shouldn't approve it in the first place. And it's one of those things too. Like it doesn't even need to be like a memo from Phil Schiller from above. Like just be plugged in with what's popular, right? Don't they have thousands of people working editorial? Mm. Like they know, they they know. There's no way they wouldn't know, right? Like this is this is the thing right now. It's taking over the internet, right? Like it's a it's a thing. It's the hot game at the moment. So, so you're Surely saying they, they they do know that and they let clones in? I think they do know that, but they don't bother to create some kind of rule that's how it seems to me from the outside like that there isn't this thing where they're creating like here's a list of properties that you should not be allowing through unless i don't know it's like some large company because you know like i bet like there aren't clones of disney games getting in the yeah, store and, right you know what i mean i want to go back a second because james is smacking me around in the discord i think this is an area where editorial and review should talk to each other like editorial knows what's popular they do all of this work to surface things to the top. And even Apps Editorial sometimes puts clones front and center. That happened a couple of months ago. Um, I forget the details, but there was some knockoff app that they mm-hmm. blessed with editorial focus instead of the real one. And how are you not in tune? Either you're not in tune with what's going on in, out in the world, which is bad, or you are, and it is like, Mike, like what you say, where they just can't be bothered. Neither one of those is good. Right, and I'm not sure which one is worse, actually, but it's it's got to be so frustrating to build something, and you get that that lightning strike of it being uber popular, and then a bunch of people come in and rip you off. And it's like I just it's just one of those things where it's like all of this would be fine if they also weren't trying to take your thirty percent. Like, isn't this the point of the thirty percent? And and like I bring things like this up to just underscore my issue with Apple taking the cut, right? Which is like, this is one of the things that is supposed to not happen because they take the money from developers. Like, and there's always going to be issues. There's always going to be edge cases. Wordle doesn't really feel like there should have been one because it's not like it was like a small indie game that 20 people have heard of. Like, you know, or like so Jambo in the in the Discord, number four on the Mac is a game called Multicraft Build and Mine, Creative Survival Multiplayer. And the icon is the Minecraft icon. Ridiculous. Like I can see what that is. You know? So, I don't know. Uh anyway, uh obviously Steven's not playing Wordle and has decided no. that Wordle's bad even having never played it, just like an old man. Over I there. muted the little green square emoji on Twitter, so I don't have to see all your scores. What I what I appreciate is you didn't tweet about that. Well, how would I? I wouldn't see my own tweet because I muted it. But that that I find that quite frustrating when people were like, oh, I've muted Wordle, and they tweet about it. It's like you are actually creating a new problem of your own, which is worse, exactly. I think. It's like, why do you hate fun? Like it's like let I people enjoy it. what they want to enjoy. You don't you're not so clever because you've muted it, right? Like, I'm you know, so just... intellectual. I despise games. I did something worse than tweet it. I said it on a podcast. Yeah, that is kind of worse. Yeah. That is worse. Stephen Stephen only plays the New York Times crossword. I mean, like a real intellectual. You only play b- 
backgammon, like, you know, <laughs> like in, in the Middle Ages or something. Chess only. <laughs> Chess only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Federico, I really liked your Wordle uh, uh, shortcut that you put out today. It's nice. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was. Uh, uh, I had this idea for like, it's, you know, it's it, th- these tweets that you've seen on Twitter with the with the emoji with the green and yellow emoji. They are they, they are you know they're super on brand, very iconic already for Wordle because they they match what you see in the in the. Yeah, that that is one hundred percent purely how it became popular. Was exactly because it's like, of hey, the tweets. what's this thing? What and, is and this you, thing? That's and everyone's Google, had this moment in the last month where they're like, yes. what is this thing? And then they go find out and play. Something yeah. that was bothering me about that was that that you know, anything that is very heavy on emoji use is not you know by definition it's not accessible because like um, there's no text like you cannot you know it, emoji are just. Um, you know, little images, basically. They're not images, but you get the point. Um, and I also wonder, like, can I make something here that, like, scores your results um, contextually to each line of the game? And so I put together this shortcut, like, last night, and I shared it today. It's called Water Wordle Bot. Um, and it basically scores each line of a completed game uh, if you fail the game, like Mike did today, uh, <laughs> the the shortcut will not work. I assume. Because well, why would you share it? I assume why would you? Sh- I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you you want to be, hey, look how much I suck at this word game. I mean, you could do that, but it only works for um, successful results. But basically, it will count the um, the it will score each line by counting the yellow emoji and the green emoji. So it'll tell you how many correct letters in the wrong spot and how many perfect letters you have on each line. And when the game is completed, uh, it'll you know it'll say w- uh, Wordle completed on line four or something. It's a fun example of how you can take something simple and change it slightly in a way that looks simple. Like if you take a look at what Wordlebot produces, it looks simple enough, but actually behind the scenes, there's a bunch of things going on. Like there's multiple regular expressions, for example, uh, that match the text that you take from Wordle and they use different capturing groups to isolate different portions of the text. It's very like, it's kind of involved, technically speaking, but you never know it. You never see it. And that's the sort of the beauty of user automation, in my opinion. Like when you take something simple, you do a bunch of complicated things to it, and the result saves you time, looks simple, but actually behind the scenes, there's a bunch of things going on. And uh, it's very easy to use. Like you kept, you can keep playing Wordle as always. Uh, when you hit the share button, and you, if you have my shortcut installed, you will see Wordlebot in the share sheet. You just press that, and it does everything for you. And it keeps the original score, like the first line of text. It keeps the original emoji arrangement. But on each line, it also tells you st- stuff like um, one partial and two perfect, or like three perfect and you know nothing else. Like it does all of that for you automatically. Copies that to the clipboard, and you can paste that on Twitter iMessage, whatever. So it was a fun uh, fun experiment. And it also works uh, on the Mac, uh, even though there's no share sheet uh, support for shortcuts on the Mac. If you play Wordle on the Mac, you can just copy the Wordle results to the clipboard and then run the shortcut manually from 
the shortcuts app or from the menu bar and it will still work. Very nice. Something that's not very nice. The photos widget on <laughs> iOS 15. Steven, mm. what is your problem with the photos widget? So, so many problems. So this uh, kind of came back to mind for me. There was a uh, someone who was at the Capitol last year and the photos widget put together a memory of like being attacked by an angry mob. <laughs> so bad. With like a little jingle over it. It's, it's bad, right? It's, yeah, it's so the, bad. It's the music that really sells it as a, as a failure. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you haven't seen the Slate article, go check it out. And I know we've talked about this in the past in the context of, hey, it'd be really nice if I could say, you know what? I don't want to see photos of my ex in my photo widget. Yeah, there's probably some in my photo library, but I'd rather not be reminded on the, the home screen of my iPad of, of that relationship. We spoke about that a long time ago. Can I just interrupt for one second? Because this is very funny, and I think you'll enjoy this. So the, the, the article on Slate says, thanks for the Gen 6 memories, Apple Photos app. But we have a bookmark at Relay FM, and it, like, what is it grabbing from to put the title? Is it like the title of the page, therefore the original title of the article, right? The, the HTML title, yeah. Which is Gen 6 Memories. Apple made me a slideshow of the insurrection. <laughs> that's, that's a really good Vastly title. Vastly better title. <laughs> and I'm so pleased that that's the one we've got here. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's Lauren Good's amazing article that yep. if you haven't read it, what are you doing? Go read it. Uh, so anyways, I thought about two things that I think they should change here. One is just a, a rehashing of they do not give users enough control over what photos are featured. I think it would be really nice. Again, some of this is what we said before, but I could select photos or a group of photo, whatever, in the Photos app and say, never use for memories. And right now you can remove a photo or a memory, which is the little slideshow thing, but only after <laughs> it has been surfaced. So say that, your Photos app puts a little jingle together of you and your ex, you can say, you know what? Don't make that a memory anymore. Get rid of it. But you've already seen it and you've, you've already been sad again. Options before things make it to the widget would be really good. Secondly, and the thing that makes me actually angry at this feature and whoever made this decision got it wrong with an Apple. In iOS 15, the photo widget changed to most of the time show you one of these music playing slideshows. And they're terrible and cheesy, but God, Apple loves cheesy slideshows. Like, go back to like old versions of iPhoto, right? The that little weird iPod Nano I did a video on today. Like, they Apple loves slideshows, but the problem is, if you're in bed, you know, next to your sleeping partner, and you're putting your phone down, it's like, oh, a picture of your family. You want to look at it before you go to bed, and then it starts playing some sort of jazz ragtime tune over your family vacation, and you wake your partner up. It's so bad that that is what it does. And if you're in one of those slideshows, it's actually really hard to get to just the photo. It's It needs to go back to the way it was, and Apple needs to give us more control on the front end of saying, you know what, these images from this date or this place or this person, they can never be used in memories. I want to keep them in my photo library for whatever reason, but I don't want to see them brought to the surface. And mm -hmm. they just have a lot more work to do on this. Yeah, we, we spoke about this before in episode 340, which was before Apple made the changes. Yeah. And, like, they did make some changes where you can say, like, 
don't show me this person or whatever. But as you said, one, by that point, it could already be too late to have the bad feeling, right? Mm -hmm. So that's point one. But the tools in general that Apple have for this are way too simple, way too unreliable, and honestly complicated. So I want to be able to define date ranges, locations, or people, or maybe even just things that I don't want service surfaced, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I've had to delete images that I don't want surfaced anymore because yep. they just keep getting shown to me. Yeah, and that's not a solution because I don't not want the image. Right. I just don't want to be reminded of it. Yeah, like, like I mean, I'll give you a, a, re- a real example. Like, we have a lot of photos of our son before he was diagnosed, and some of those are really hard to look at because now, now you see with it with a decade of brain tumor knowledge. I see the symptoms. I didn't then. I, no one would have. But those photos are still twelve years later, hard to look at. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I have them, but I never want to see them in the photo widget, and yet. Probably like three months ago, they were there with like some ska music over them. It's like, what are you doing? Like, God, it's frustrating. Funeral flower arrangements. <sighs> yeah, you want look the, at these pretty flowers. You you want the pictures, right? So you mm-hmm. like you, you know you may not, but I I want to so I can always look at them if I want them. Yes, but I don't want to see them on my home screen. You know, like yeah. it, it, there's just or just like general things that were, seemed good at the time, but then become bad memories later because like things change in your life. Right. And also the Apple thing is like see them less often. What about never? About never. Right. So I think yeah, you like, can yeah. destroy a memory, but I don't know if that flags it somehow never to come back. Oh, I've had stuff come back. Have you? Like, even if it's not the same thing, it's including the same images, right? So it's Jeez. like, you know, so it's like, all right, we won't show you this time period, but we may show you these images in another memory about something else, right? Uh, so apparently there is a never feature this person. It's really hard to get to that kind of stuff, and it's still not enough, as I'm saying. It's not just people. Yeah. And also, the person stuff you have to, Apple has to accurately recognize it's that person in the image, which isn't 100%, right? That's why I like dates or just give me a mode in photos where I can go tap, 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 and everyone to see these images. So you don't have to rely on Apple's machine learning stuff at all. And I don't want movies. And no, the thing that's about terrible. the widget that you mentioned is like, I don't think it's a great thing for like some a piece of UI to become unreliable. Like, because the same widget sometimes will take you to your featured photos or sometimes take you to a movie. And I know what the difference is. Like, I know if it's got text on it, it will take me to a movie. But still, sometimes I'm not... Like, you know, you press it because you see the thing and you're not paying attention. Yeah, I, I think that there's good stuff in here, but it's gotten a bit lost. Yep. It's frustrating. Because it's such a good feature. Yeah, it's, it's still great. I still get to see those images, but like, it's it's all gotten a bit lost along the way. This episode of Connected is brought to you by FitBod. It's a normal thing for people to start considering their health and fitness around this time of year. But between balancing work, family, and everything else, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. What you need is a program that works with you, not against you. That's why you should check out FitBod. Its algorithm learns about you, your goals, and your training ability, and will help craft a personalized exercise plan that's unique to you. Their app makes it incredibly easy to learn exactly how to perform each exercise. Look, personal fitness is not about competing with other people. 
You don't want to look to others and try to stack up against them and do what they do. What you need is something that will work for you. That's when it sticks. And when you'll see the results you're looking for. FitBot uses data to create and adjust your dynamic fitness plan. And you'll have instant access to your own personalized routine and their fantastic app. So you can make progress on your goals from anywhere. I really like FitBot. There's actually a new version out, updated design. It looks fantastic. Uh, but I love that it adapts and learns about me over time. Everyone's fitness path is different, which is why FitBod does so much work to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. They learn about your last workout so your next one will be even better, whether you work out twice a day or twice a week. FitBod even tracks things like muscle recovery to make sure your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises to make sure you're not overworking anything. The FitBot app is easy to use, and again, recently updated with a fantastic design. They have brand new HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles, so you can learn exercise really easily and you know what you're doing is correct. It also integrates with Apple Watch, Wear OS, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Personalized training of this quality is expensive, but FitBot starts at just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. You can get 25% off that by signing up at fitbod.me connected. So kick off the new year right and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me connected. That's F-I-T-B-O-D, fitbod.me connected for 25% off your membership. Our thanks to FitBod for their support of the show and Relay FM. It's been 15 years since the iPhone keynote. Was that this week? <laughs> How? How? That was this past week, right? I had a similar realization when um, uh, I was playing this old Zelda game on the analog pocket, uh, this incredible console that, you know, lets you play old Game Boy games. And, like, I knew that it was an old game, and I knew that it was like, oh, yeah, uh, 17 years ago, that's when it first came out, and I still have the original cartridge and everything. And then I was tweeting about this last night, and I stopped for a second, and I realized, wait a second, 17 years ago, that's like half of my life ago. Mm -hmm. And that really hit home for me. Mm -hmm. It's like half of my life ago. Yeah, it's, yeah. So I can, I can give you something else to make you feel old. Mm. You know, long-time listeners may remember... One of the best things the three of us have done, at least in my memory, I haven't listened back to it recently, but it was really good at the time. Prompt episode 30, we did like a full-on like retrospective of the entire keynote. It's a really long episode. There's loads of clips. It was really nicely made. Steven's incredibly sick in that episode, but yeah. don't let that put you off. That's so funny when I go back. We are now today further from this episode's release date than that episode was from the iPhone announcement. No, 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 no. no. That was seven years. It's now been eight years since that. No oh. way. Really? There's, there's no... So that was... 2014 was when we released that episode. That was made and of 2007. It was seven years. 2022 is eight years from 2014. You can't swear on the show, right? Oh. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? That's a word for That's, it. <laughs> yes. It's, yes. <laughs> let's say it is incredible, Mike. Yes. The thing that's funny to me in thinking about the, the iPhone keynote is that I was into Apple at the time. Mm-hmm. But I actually wasn't where I could keep up with the keynote that day. I was in North Carolina visiting family. I had a, I guess I had a 
I probably had a like a Palm Treo at the time, but you know, I'm not keeping up with the news right like we would now. And I remember getting back to my aunt's house where I was staying and and I had my my I guess my like first gen MacBook Pro and opened it up and was like, oh, I'm just gonna like see what Apple announced today. Cause like I knew there was a Mac world, but and I just remember like loading that iPhone webpage and it was so slow. Cause like I'm sure she was on dial up and I'm sure everyone on the planet was looking at this webpage and just like my mind being blown. And I didn't see the video for a while, maybe I, mean, I don't even know how long it was before I actually got to see the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that always kind of makes me chuckle that like this, this really like earth changing <laughs> world changing thing that has defined so much about what I do now. I actually missed on the day of because I was just offline visiting family. That wouldn't happen now. I wouldn't plan a vacation during WWDC. <laughs> Why well, it's different now. Question. Was this in the era where they were live streaming video at all? Because I know for a while it was just some. Was this live streamed? I want to say yes, but I'm not. I'm not sure. The iPhone event? What? Yes. No. No. It wasn't. You don't think so? Mm, no, they started live streaming in the 2010s or something. Well, but there was a point where they started doing it consistently, and there was a point before that where it was sporadic. See, I'm gonna say there was a few years ago, but a few years now doesn't mean anything anymore. That's 12 years, what you just <laughs> said, 2010. I Google searched live stream Macworld 2007, and it's all live blogs. Yeah, so what I am gonna include in the show notes is the Engadget live blog, because if you are young enough where you won't follow, or you just weren't paying attention, I will put in the show notes the way that we used to consume these events live, which is you would just be reading the text and looking at the images. Mm-hmm. And I really tip my hat to the fact that places like The Verge still do these because okay, I, okay, so I don't know who's viewing them. I guess if you can't I watch have, the video. But. I have some context. So back right. in 2010, I did an article on Mac Stories. Apple will offer live streaming of Back to the Mac event. So at the time, that was a new thing. Well, no, see, this is the thing. It was sporadic, Federico. So, like, it was sporadic because then in 2012, so two years later, still sporadic, another article on Mac Stories Apple to live stream today's media event. That was the. Yeah, but look, here's a press release someone Discord dug up from 2002 saying that they were streaming Macworld Keynote 2002. So it is, uh, it was hit or miss. I bet it was live streamed, probably through QuickTime. It would have been through QuickTime. You used to mm-hmm. used to get the QuickTime links from the Apple webpage, but it's just yeah, I'm just not I don't know, right? Like it's what I'm saying. I don't know. But, but anyway. yeah, I didn't see it for some amount of time. Yeah. Which is funny because what everyone remembers from this, like this event is important for the iPhone, but it's also so memorable because of the keynote being Steve Jobs' best one ever. So I watched it today. This was not my intention of how I would spend my day, uh or big big portion of my day, but I did anyway. Um, just because basically I was like, oh, how will I prepare for today's episode? And I thought, oh, let me think about it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to watch the thing. Uh, by the way, I'm really, I don't know why, but like I'm really struggling to put this link in the CMS. I'll, I'll work it out. This this Engadget link is full of like 100,000 uh, referrals. Mm. <laughs> and so like it's just, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm a, this is a real scene over here. Um, so I, I and I wanted to just share with you both uh, some of my observations watching the event now, considering we are so far away from it at this point. I, have either of you watched it recently? No, no. 
probably five years ago when we celebrated 10 years is the last time I watched it. Yeah, which is, I mean, in its entirety, it was definitely for me. So there was just like a few quotes and a few interesting things things that I pulled out. So uh, one is like right at the start, which is how Steve introduces the thing. And he's like so emotional. And he's like, this is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. And he's kind of choked up a little bit. That's really nice. Uh, my favorite thing about the entire keynote is when he says breakthrough internet communications device and nobody says anything. Like, you know, when he's doing like a phone, a widescreen iPod with touch controls. Everyone's like, ah, a breakthrough internet communications device. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the whole thing now. That's brutal. Yeah. Because like there's a part later on where he literally says the iPhone's killer app is making calls. (laughs) Which is just like, it really ain't. It's of its time. It really is. And there's like some interesting stuff that never shipped too, I don't think. Like when he was on a call and he went to the home screen, the app icon for the phone was flashing to indicate that a call yeah. was live. There's that. And I think it's this. There was or a maybe split view for mail. That's what I was going to say. I think it's the iPhone yeah. where it's like uh, the top half is the inbox and the bottom half is the message window. It's weird looking. Very Lotus Notesy. Um, the this three one. things are you still get like are you getting it still gives me goosebumps like when you watch that like that moment where it changes and like people start to realize and then he yeah. says it and it's like oh it was such a good it's the best product there will never be like I feel confident in saying there will never be a tech product introduction as good as this one like Mm-mm. because it was still like you know still really at that point Jobs was the only one doing it. I try to think about like, well, what's the second best one? And the one I think of immediately is the iPad, but the energy is so different in that Mm -hmm. one. It is three years later. His health isn't as good, but he's like sitting in a chair scrolling through the New York Times. It is very different than this. The iPad one was good for the lead up to the the actual uh, announcement because of like yeah. the the explanation that he provided like the context that Jobs pro- provided around like why do we need a tablet? Like what why what's the story behind it? And I thought that was very good from that keynote. It's got to be better at these things. Because, like, you know, it's, it's also the context, and maybe the context helps it, but, like, the iPad was what we expected it to be, even to a fault, right? Which was just a big iPhone, <laughs> you know? The iPhone, we nev- no one was imagining what they delivered. You know, like, and he even does it in a way, like, I can't believe it, like, when he's done the whole thing, and he goes, and here it is, and it's an iPod of a rotary dial, like, he plays that, like, joke. Like, that is the first thing. So, like, he does the whole thing. Everyone's losing their mind. We call it the iPhone. And here it is. And it's a joke, which is such a bold thing to do and something I could never imagine them doing now. Like, I think it needs Steve, but also it's just, like, there's so many things in this presentation that are locked to Apple at the time. It was a much yeah. smaller company, like, so different. Well, like, the fact that they are <laughs> name-checking and calling out competitor products throughout the entire thing, which they stopped doing really soon afterwards. Yeah, they wanted, They didn't even say the word Intel the last few years. Mm-hmm. There's also the bit, uh, two things that sort of are strong in my mind. Uh, one, the bit where he calls the Starbucks and orders, like, thousands of coffees 4000 lattes 4000 lattes he asks a for. few years ago someone tracked down that barista and there was an article about it that yep. was pretty yep. funny that just cracks me up because i kind of like the idea of steve jobs as a prankster one thing that's funny to me like he talks about multi touch he says and boy have we patented it 
like mm-hmm. patented it and everyone laughs and applauds, which is like such a strange thing. Like <laughs> again, nobody would do that today, especially no. given the company like, Apple yeah, is. Woo! Patents. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, nobody does that anymore. Three and a half inch screen, it's really big. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, the demos. I don't know if we're ever I mean, I hope that this is a thing they can do again, but I don't I think we might just all be a little more not necessarily jaded, but just can't be surprised. Like there were gasps and cheers for the demos. Like like when he would take his moment and he would show how scrolling worked and like, just because it was like it was such a jump like you know, and like if you have never seen the keynote, I really recommend watching it. You only really have to watch the first hour because then the last half an hour he brings out a bunch of people and they talk for a while and it's boring. Yeah, like the the singular guy reading off his index cards. Yeah, and Eric Schmidt comes out and it's just yeah, like, oh yeah, we should combine the companies. Yeah, it's so it's really boring. Elizabeth Warren is watching you. That uh, part. the the thing that uh, the other thing that, that jumps out at me though, and you you touched on a second ago, is the the time like the company Apple was. Mm-hmm. The the fact that it was a widescreen like touch iPod was a huge deal. And they talk a lot about that in the keynote, right? Of like it has all this iPod functionality built in. In hindsight, that's the coffin for the iPod, right? It's like we we've taken this product and turned it into a feature on this newer, nicer product. And I mean, at the time, thinking that anything would kill the iPod was unthinkable. But Apple wanted to be the ones to do it. And so they spent a lot of time really perfecting that experience. And that was a great experience uh, right out of the box on the first iPhone. The the playback stuff was all really good. I was like cover flow, cover flow oh, yeah. to the iPhone, you know? Was, Steve Jobs loved cover flow, man. Uh-huh. Loved it. Well, I mean, like they, they knew it was so good that they made the iPod touch, right? Yeah too right yeah just like which was which was awesome yeah Um, the the thing about the the demos is a macworld was open to the public right so there mm -hmm. were a lot of like just fans there which i think makes the audience more hype than when it's a bunch of journalists even more so than wwdc like it was like a a a sliding scale the thing that they did after this uh I, i don't know when these ads started maybe we can find some for the show notes Apple had this series of ads. There's someone holding a phone, had music in the background. It's like, this is how you do this, right? So, like, this is how you go from an email and look up something on, on Google Maps and go back to an email and, you know, send something to somebody. Oh, this is That was friend of Upgrade, Bob Borches. We had him on Upgrade. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was Bob. I've tried finding these, and they're impossible to find. You might have better luck than me. But it was a bunch of like... I may have copies of them. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. It was like a bunch of tutorial videos, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how this works. And and it was uh, hilarious to me when when we spoke to him on Upgrade, because it was like, I know that voice incredibly well. Uh, because I, you know, I watched those videos like many people did over and over and over again because I was so excited about it. The one of my favorite moments in the whole presentation is when, like, the first phone call he calls Johnny, and like Johnny's in the audience, but they are both just so excited about it. Like Johnny's just like beaming the whole time he's having the call. They're just like mega thrilled, and it's just like I don't know. It's just really touching, and it's. One of those things that becomes like it's like bittersweet in a way because like mm-hmm. you know how close they were and that you see it in that moment 
because they're enjoying this moment together of this thing that they've both worked so hard for that like and as well i think you know you see it throughout this entire presentation that like maybe more than ever they know what they've got like there is no question in their mind of how good this product is right and like the the the, the excitement between the two of them in that moment it's just like it's really like it hit me in a way. Like it, it was it's really nice. It's very nice. Uh he makes a lot more jokey phone calls to Phil Schiller. Uh and there's just this this moment where it's like like he they're they're arranging the whole there's like this through line of, of like arranging a dinner that goes through multiple demos with Phil, like where are they gonna go? And then there's like maps and then like they have a phone call and Phil's like, should we catch a movie afterwards? And then he makes this joke, which is you got it like 2007, funny for them, wouldn't work now. Whereas like, well, there's nothing weird about this. We're just friends, you know, like, and it's like, ha ha ha, you wouldn't make that joke today. Uh, but I just like the idea of Apple executives all going for dinner and watching movies together. There's just something very funny about this. So that's they, they were my big observations, and it did make me want to ask you guys. I feel like I've already tipped my hand to this, but do you think we would ever see an announcement of this magnitude again in our lifetimes? In our lifetimes, probably not. I don't, I don't know. Now, well, basically, so in the next, uh, <laughs> for optimistic, 40 to 50 years, um, give me a little bit more than 40. Jeez, come on. I mean, sure. I mean, Stephen's uh, got, like, he's older. <laughs> Wow, you know, I don't want to say I don't want to say never. I don't want to say never. Here's a here's a fun way to to consider this question. Before the iPhone, what would you say was another groundbreaking announcement before 2007? To uh, just to try and understand how uh, like how fast is this cycle? Like, what was it before the iPhone, the iPod? But the, but the announcement wasn't that big. So this, I think this one is kind of unique in its... It, it right? is. I mean, the iPod is like, okay, Apple is still not really successful yet. And they did it the, like a month after 9-11. And the whole world was kind of subdued. And you watch that keynote. And I think Jobs knows they have something good. But... To, to your point, Mike, I think with the iPhone, like they really knew it and they were willing to show that off in a way that they didn't or, or couldn't six years previously. And I think the only time I feel like Apple's ever tried to emulate that energy was the Apple Watch. Yes. And it didn't work. Like it wasn't just the product, but like you could feel it, right? Like you could feel like they were trying too hard. Because I think they even brought out like some similar, it was like a greatest hits of the iPhone announcement where it was like, you know, like how Steve goes through to like, we've had the chance of a show of like, Apple's been lucky enough to introduce these products to the world. And it's like the, the Mac and the iPod and now the iPhone. And I th if I'm remembering rightly, they did a similar thing of like the Mac, the iPhone, uh, the iPod, and now there's the Apple Watch. And it's like, mm. I don't know. Yeah, digital. The digital crown is going to be just as important as multi-touch. Yeah, I mean, no, nah, man. <laughs> the, the only like so the only two things on the immediate horizon will be like some kind of headset or a car, right? Like these are two things that would be completely new, and maybe the headset more, right? Like just bear with me a second, right? There is currently what we know 
in this world, AR and VR. Like, in the same way that there were smartphones, they existed. But what Apple did for the iPhone just jumped it. Now, they could, I don't think there is room for this with a headset, but like, maybe that's the next possible thing. But I don't think anything, I can't imagine something being as big. And it's not even just big in hindsight. It was that big at the time. I, I don't know. Stephen, did you answer? I don't, I don't think you did, right? It's so hard, I think, because everything that we've had since the iPhone has built on the smartphone. And I think even to a degree, the AR, VR, glasses, goggles, whatever, that stems from the iPhone, mm-hmm. at least in spirit, if not in actuality. And so the the uniqueness of the iPhone, that it was a clean break from everything before it, I think that's what makes it hard to replicate. And I tend to agree with Federico that I'm not, I'm not sure that we will. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a bad thing either. When the original Mac came out in 1984, like it was new and, and very novel and had lots of things that weren't necessarily present in the, the PC market in the early 80s. But in a way, like we still live in the world that the Macintosh defined, and that's totally fine. And so even if AR, VR, whatever, car, I mean, who knows? I don't have the imagination for that. All of it stemming from the iPhone, I don't think that's necessarily like a, like a deal breaker. I don't think it says anything about Apple or the industry. It's just that this is the world we live in now and everything will be filtered through it, at least for the foreseeable future. I think the only thing that in our, like that we could conceive of right now that could come close would be an AR headset. Like that they could come up with some set of things that it can do, which which is like similar to the set of things that the iPhone did. Like the iPhone did a limited set of things, but it did all of the things that you'd want really well. You know, like the camera was trash, but we didn't really want that then. You know, when it, like we would, we just wanted all the things that, like, you know, imagine if an AR headset can do like 10 basic things that we do on our phone in like a better way than the phone, the iPhone can, then maybe it is huge. I think it comes with other issues, but basically I don't think we'll we'll ever see something like this again. Just in its the way it was introduced and, and the immediate understanding that the world wasn't gonna be the same after it. This episode of Connected is brought to you by New Relic. If you're a software engineer, you've been there. It's nine PM, you're finally unwinding from work, and then your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's broken, and your mind's already racing at what could be wrong. Is it the back end or the front end? Is it global? Is it the server? Now the whole team is scrambling from tool to tool, messaging person after person to try to find and fix the issue. That won't happen if you get New Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring protocols that you would normally buy separately, so engineering teams can see across their entire stack in one place. More importantly, New Relic helps you pinpoint issues down to a single line of code so you know exactly why the problem happened and what it will take to resolve it quickly. That's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. So whether you're running a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, It takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. 
Look, we all know that next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does. You can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever with no credit card required by going to newrelic.com slash connected. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash connected. Newrelic.com slash connected. My thanks to New Relic for their support of the show and Relay FM. So CES has wrapped up and we wanted to do our annual very normal coverage mm-hmm. of CES. And so we have three rounds. One Round one is things we want. Round two is things that are too expensive. And round three are things that should not exist. And we're just going to round robin our way through some CES announcements. Have we done this before? Years ago, I think. I'm sh- well, yeah, mm. maybe. I have no memory. Of it. We old, Mike. We're old. No, I, okay. Yeah, I know we've spoken about CES before, but the way you said it was like as if this was like a traditional way that we've covered CES. Mm. Yeah, that was a little, a little sarcasm, probably. Oh, sorry. Uh, this has been so much about age and memory in this episode. It just freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> talked about the photos we did. Yeah, and Steve, I don't know. I feel I feel like I need a shower of youth just mm. to cleanse off this, you know, age discussion. Anyway, okay. CES, right? CES. Mm-hmm. So, product announcements that we're interested in, things that we want. Federico, why don't you start us? Uh, so, things we want. I do want the new Sony 4K TV, specifically the QD OLED 4K TV. So, QD it stands for Quantum Quantum Dot OLED. It's this new way to like. I don't want to get into the specifics. It's this new way to produce um, OLED panels. This that uses this new Quantum Dot technology. Basically, it looks better than OLED supposedly, and uh, it's a Sony TV, which is you know Sony brand that I personally like. I I have a Sony Walkman. I have a PlayStation Five. I have Sony headphones. Uh, it looks fantastic. It comes in fifty-five inch, which is my current size for the TV that we have in the bedroom, and a bigger one at sixty-five inches. Um, what I also appreciate is the. It's like it's a modern TV that has all the latest fancy things that my twenty-seventeen LG TV regular OLED does not have. So this one has four HDMI inputs, two of them with support for HDMI 2.1, which is the latest uh, HDMI standard. Comes with 120 hertz, um, you know, uh, support for you know uh, high refresh rate gaming and that sort of stuff and because it's Sony it's specifically optimized for PlayStation 5 with an auto HDR mode that mm-hmm. automatically switches you know HDR um, image image quality for PS5 it looks fantastic um, I kind of want it but I want it, but I'm not going to buy it because like this older TV that I have is still perfectly fine. Maybe when and if we're finally going to move from this small apartment, I will consider an upgrade for my gaming television. Um, And if I do, I want to check out this quantum dot thing because it looks really gorgeous. Do you know who makes the panel? Samsung, right? Or LG. Yeah, it's Samsung. Yeah, I just found it. I was searching through the article trying to find it. That's interesting because Samsung haven't yeah. announced one yet. 
no, but they're making the panel for Sony and Sony mm. did. So, I mean, okay. It's it's always kind of strange how like Samsung display and LG display are like separate entities from Samsung and LG. Yeah. In, sometimes <laughs> in terms of like product releases, I don't really understand it. Well, but, but it's not hey. strange when you look at this, right? That Samsung, the overall entity can make more money if Samsung display is separate because they can sell the displays to yeah. Apple and and it's like you know and Sony and like all that kind of stuff. Where if they were part of Samsung, then that part of the of the organization would make less money because they wouldn't, for competitive reasons, yeah. sell to to other companies. It looks interesting. Uh, my product is the Zen Asus ZenBook Fold Seventeen oh, I OLED. <laughs> I love this thing. Yes. <laughs> this is a 17-inch 4x3 tablet that folds in half. It's a flexible OLED display. And you can put a keyboard on the bottom part of it, which comes with the whole package, to turn it into a 12-inch laptop. So you can either, it can either be a 12-inch laptop or a 17-inch OLED display tablet. I just find this form factor very intriguing like really big tablet small laptop like i think this is a form factor that we could see a lot more companies maybe like apple adopt in the future at some point like this maybe seems like a potentially a better use of folding displays than phones at least some types of phones but i just like it i think it's smart i think it's an really interesting way uh of taking a form factor and making it intriguing what do you like about it federico oh i love the the the, the wildness of it mm. it's mm -hmm. it's this 17 inch foldable thing that you know it, it opens and you got the detachable keyboard i just love it like I am incredibly pumped for foldable tablets slash laptops in general. Like as a thing, like a, a foldable iPad is, is a thing of my dreams right now. But even more than a phone, perhaps. Um, and this one, I mean, it, look, it looks great. I, I just mm -hmm. love it. It's, it's wild. Uh, totally unnecessary for me because it's not like the kind of thing that I'm ever going to use on a regular basis. I just love it as, a, as an idea of the kind of product that we may see more in the future, maybe. Can I give an honorable mention? Sure. Uh, LG's new 16 by 18 monitor. Have you seen this thing? No. Where is it? A, it has a 16 by 18 aspect ratio, which basically makes... So it's like it's the wrong way. Right, it's like kind of squarey, rectangular. Oh yes, I've seen, I've seen this. Yes, yes, yes. It's genius. Which basically is twenty five sixty by twenty eight eighty. It's twenty seven point six inches diagonally, but they call it the dual up, like D U A L up, like dual up. The dual up. With the idea being that this is effectively two twenty one point five inch displays stacked on top of each other. Nice. I think this thing is incredible, <laughs> and I might buy one as a second monitor in the future, like one off to the side of like a of a Mac, like I've had it now. I think this would be a better display than the, like the regular display that I'm using uh, for this kind of thing right now. With this with this monitor, uh, chances are you're not gonna get the letter boxing if you connect an iPad Pro. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Yeah, because I it's... guess so, right? <laughs> I mean, well, well no, you would get the letter boxing. <laughs> you wouldn't get the pillar boxing at the yes. sides, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is really cool. And I like that LG is doing weird things with monitors because why not, right? Like, this is just like, I've never seen a monitor like this before, and I just think it's really cool. And it has a good-looking, uh, look, but the op, the the, the um, arm that it comes on looks very similar to the arm that's on my current LG display, and I really like it, so. Why does it remind me of a Bloomberg terminal? Because that's, it looks like one. But those right? are, like, productivity monitors, <laughs> right? So, like, Stephen, what, what, is, what is the thing that you want from CES? I have a family of products, really. This is the Kohler Smart Bath Perfect Fill. And if you already have a bathtub... Is that like perfect perfect, perfect Phil Schiller? Perfect Phil. <laughs> perfect Phil. I mean, if Phil Schiller wants to use my bathtub, he's welcome to it. All it's, right. Okay. This sure. is a, uh, a smart... It's really two things. It's a smart drain and a smart faucet. And through the Google Assistant or the Amazon Voice Assistant, you can say, hey, fill my bathtub up three quarters of the way at some predetermined temperature, uh-huh. and it will fill it for you. So you don't have to worry about overfilling the tub or not being hot enough or being too hot. And you can have up to 10 different programs saved. So I know y'all haven't experienced this, but when my kids were younger and it was bath time, we would always need to turn the water on for them so they didn't accident, accidentally scald themselves or freeze themselves to death, right? So you got to get the temperature just right. And, and I'm a man who loves a bath, with or without Phil Schiller, and I think that uh, this would be kind of cool. I don't, why do you keep bringing that up? Okay. Mike brought it up. I brought it up initially. Now, that's $2,700. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But if you're going down the road of luxury baths, the mm-hmm. road ends with the stillness bath. Now, this was previewed at last CES, and we got more details this year because it's not vaporware if you talk about it every year. Oh, it's actually vapor because the water's hot? No, it is actually, yes, it is exactly vaporware. I do like... This is actually vaporware. <laughs> I must say, I do like how you said we got more details. Like, you're really into the bathtub reporting ecosystem. Oh, I've been on the bath beat. You, you won't let me make a bath podcast, but I think... Literally dozens you know of people what? would listen. I agree. Make that show. <laughs> no, I'm trying to Go on. end shows. Make it. No, make that one. Make the bathtub show. My one change as annual chairman is we have, an, <laughs> we have a semi-regular bathtub technology segment. The stillness bath starts at $8,000, which is a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. That's but uh, some bath right there. Okay. It is a standalone tub that you get installed that combines all the smart bathtub stuff I spoke about a second ago, but it also combines light fog aroma. And if you want to upgrade to the infinity experience, a model that has water flow over the edge. Like you've ever seen any of those like infinity swimming pools, mm-hmm. like the water just goes off the edge. It's like that. And so it goes down the outside of the tub to like this wooden base. It's like an at home waterfall spa experience and I'm just saying, if I had a very different lifestyle and made a lot, a lot, a lot more money, this would be something I would be interested in as a bath connoisseur. Just start selling NFTs and you could afford this kind of lifestyle. Or, you know, not have bought a Pro Display XDR. Sure. 
also that. I don't like the name Stillness Buff. That sounds a little murdery. Yep. Stillness. To be to be honest. Stillness bath yeah. sounds like like the final stage of a Zelda or Final Fantasy game. Like you just <laughs> entered the stillness <laughs> bath and it's all crystallized. The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> stillness bath. Stillness bath. <laughs> DLC coming in it's, 2022. It sounds like a dungeon to me. Like a, and everything is crystal and there's some creepy music in the background. Yeah, I don't like it. Ganon's stillness <laughs> bath from Matt in the Discord. Yeah. This looks very interesting, Stephen. Mm-hmm. I've learned something about myself over the last few years. Go for it. Is that I need ways to relax because I'm not very good at it on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I've implemented some things in my life to help with this. Mm-hmm. But I think the $8,000 stillness bath with the optional upgrade for the waterfall feature. How much is the optional upgrade to the I'm not perfectly clear on that. That means it's at least twice the price, I feel like. Probably really expensive. Probably twice the price. Okay. No, it's an extra... Okay. It's an extra $3,000, basically. Okay. So it's $11,000. There's a version that has floor grates uh, and lights through the water, and that is $16,000. Wouldn't you need the floor grates for the Infinity version? Where does the water go? I think it's on like a wooden base that accumulates it it's not just spilling into your apartment so you can go all the way up to sixteen thousand dollars for this bathtub all right you could buy several vehicles for that money so the way you started this discussion feels like you're looking for us to say it's okay for you to buy the eight thousand dollar bathtub or the twenty seven hundred dollar smart controls uh no clearly i'm not gonna do any of this I mean, really, uh, uh, if you know, if you don't go for the eight thousand dollar bathtub the twenty seven hundred dollar smart controls this is steal (laughs) <laughs> You've just saved like six grand. That's true. Uh, I like thinking about that that way. Think of those savings. Yeah. You know, I really messed up by not building a sauna or some sort of bath in my pod cabin. Second second thing, if you did make a bathtub podcast, you could possibly write this off. As <laughs> <laughs> a limited release show. We're call our CPA after we get off Steven's the Steven's bathtub show. And it's just a review of the stillness bath. What would we call it? It needs like a zippy relay name. Tubbin. Uh, it could be called... Tubbin. Rub-a-dub-tub. Tub-thumpin. Uh, <laughs> tub time. Hold on. Let's see. Relay.fm. You, you going for some inspo, Federico? Yeah. Yeah. Bubbles. But anyways, I, I need ways to relax. This would be a great way to do it. <laughs> you, you already have downstream. I'm sure that could have yeah. been used somehow. Hmm. Still stream. Stillness. It's called stillness. It's like I just whisper on the podcast. Oh, Stephen, you've done the thing again with the round robin, right? Where it's three circular round robins. Yes. Interlocking round robins. You're first this time. Oh, God. All right. So things that are too expensive. Razor's Project Sophia. This thing is wild. Technically, this thing has no price because it's a concept and will probably never arrive. However, I guarantee... Can't put a price on a concept. (laughs) ...that if they made this, it would cost way more money than anyone should ever pay for it. It is a modular desk 
with an integrated monitor that lets you swap in and out PC parts and peripherals. This is a quote from The Verge. The desk is designed to feature 13 different swappable module slots where users can add in a wide array of different pieces, temperature readouts, touchscreen application launchers, dedicated chat and calendar displays, wireless Qi chargers, a mug heater, pen tablets, audio mixers, CPU and GPU monitors, and more. The PC for this is built in. We're back to me now. The PC is built in. So as soon as you need to change hardware, like as soon as hardware evolves, you'd be stuck because graphics cards keep getting bigger. What do you do when you physically cannot fit the graphics card into your desk anymore? You know, mm. like if you need to 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 upgrade your graphics card, doesn't fit in your PC case, you buy a new PC case. You can still use all the existing parts. You're golden. When you can't fit the graphics card into the desk anymore, you need a whole new desk. You buy a new house. And you, and you get a new desk. That's the only way. Yeah. Now, the idea of this, kind of cool, right? PC desk is kind of cool. Yeah, I like the PC desk. There are a million YouTube videos about PC desk. Uh, this one is obviously way overboard. It looks awesome, though. Just real quick, a bit of a uh, bit of Razer follow-up, I think, from two years ago, CES. Remember when they did the mask? Yes, it's real now, isn't it? Not only is it real, they said it was N95 grade. That got proven as being a lie, and they've now had to backtrack it. <laughs> Why would you lie about how good your mask is in the middle of a pandemic? I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't it project your voice? Or is that what people wanted it to the do? The first edition didn't. The second edition does. So you sound like Bane walking around Home Depot in that mask. So Razor's Project Sophia, something that is too expensive. My thing that's too expensive is not the $16,000 bath experience. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Where are we going? It is the $105,000 electric Chevy Silverado. Okay. So CES okay. used to be a TV show. It used to be a show about TVs. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you been watching CES on Apple TV Plus? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone dies at the end. <laughs> yes. Oh, but I it mean, is increasingly... Oh no. a, <laughs> a, a show about uh, vehicles and electric vehicles. And so Chevrolet was going to show off their electric Silverado. The Silverado is their sort of mainstream pickup truck. Ford has beat them to this announcement with the F-150 Lightning. But Chevy's is not for sale for another year. And at first you can get the base truck, which has like nothing in it. for That's about 40 grand, which is too much for a base truck. But the first ones that most people will want is the first edition at $105,000. And then they will fill in the middle of the range after that. And look, I want electric trucks to be a thing. Like, I have a reservation for a Lightning, and I really hope I get to use that reservation at some point in the future. That's the Ford F-150, right? Yes. This is the... And there's problems with the way Ford's doing it that I've written about, but... Your first one being 105 grand a year away is, I mean, it is va- it's effectively vaporware at this point. And 105 grand for a pickup truck is bananas, even if it is electric. So it, it was disappointing. I wanted Chevy to come out swinging because it'd be good for the whole, the whole industry, but they haven't done it yet. What is a Silverado? It's the name of the truck. I think Silverado is a place. I've, the lookup. It's like El Dorado, but it's silver instead so, of gold. I know. The, the lookup feature of macOS tells me that Silverado is a 1985 American Western film mm. produced by Lawrence Kasdan. Silverado just never 
it never sounds right when I hear it. Yeah, it does hear to me, but it's been a pickup truck for like 60 years. So, so yeah, Electric Silverado, thumbs down so far. Okay, so my expensive thing. So how about I'm going to go TV again because as okay. Steven said, CES is a TV show. <laughs> a show about TVs. <laughs> so what about how about $40,000 for a 97-inch OLED TV? Okay? It's so big. Okay, so ni- almost 100 inches, 97-inch OLED TV. It's the LG G2 in the 97-inch flavor. This is the biggest OLED TV to date. Now, pricing has not officially been announced yet. However, we have some context. LG previously did an 88-inch TV, and they sold it for about $30,000. So it was the assumption of the author at this article on CNET that uh, you know, ninety-seven inches will be about forty thousand mm. dollars. Which, you know, uh, first of all, like I struggle to visualize. Like I look at my fifty-five-inch TV; it really is huge. I struggle to visualize how bigger ninety-seven inches of television would be, like f- in a physical space. Like at that point, why not just go to a movie theater, right? Like it's like it's a lot, right? It's a lot of TV. It's a lot of TV. And also forty thousand dollars. You could buy a car with that, you know, very good car with that Not an electric Silverado. Not the Silverado, but sure. And so that would be that would be my my you know, my thing here, forty thousand dollars, never gonna get that kind of television, but it exists. Some people will get it, you know. Those who really are making a buck with NFTs and Web3, I assume. But it's it's nice. LG G2 97-inch OLED. This article reminded me that LG announced their 42-inch OLED this year as well. So they previously, I think both me and Steven have this TV. They announced a 48-inch OLED a few years ago, which was the smallest OLED. Now they have a 42-inch OLED, which I think is great because... TVs can be too big for a lot of places, and you miss out by not being able to get the best technology. So I'm pleased that LG continues to shrink down uh, the minimum size of their OLED line. All right, round three, things that should not exist. Mm-hmm. I'm up first. <laughs> this <one's>... <laughs> Let <laughs> me introduce you to the Ham Ham? Ham Ham? I don't know. Let's say Ham Ham. Ham Ham. Roughly translated, that means gentle bite. Apparently, some people like the feeling of having their fingers, their fingers nibbled on. Fingers, their fingers, their their fingies, (laughs) finger nibbles. No, no, wait, stop right there. Some people like that. Finger nibs, finger, finger nibs. I mean, what I'll say is, no, uh, I've never had that. Doesn't mean I wouldn't like it. No. You know? Okay. Oh my god, this website is so good. A nibbling mouth. Insert your finger here, and oh, it feels good. Yes. Get play bitten. I'm just saying there are other things that you could potentially enjoy, you know, other than having a 
you know, having your fingers nibbled. Well, there's, there's a whole world of experiences. I want to float in the $8,000 bathtub, but you don't see me complaining. Mm-hmm. But this is... It's a very troubling image. It's a very <laughs> troubling everything. This is a... I think the article I said calls it a robot. It's not really a robot. I don't think it... I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that up to John and Jason to define if this is a robot or not. I had a not. second. There's a longer description that we missed. Okay. Please read it. The charming, the charming gesture where pets and babies gently nibble your finger with their small teeth. Mm, okay. Line break. Sadly, you need to oh. harden your heart and scold them for this act. Do you? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't like, want your kid biting. You like your... <laughs> your well, like just a little nib. No, because then they bite a kid at school and then you're your, the whole thing. On your fingies. Well, fingy nibs. On your fingies. <laughs> fingy nib. I think I want one of these. I want to try it now. Federico, you got to finish it. Oh, yeah, it's a poem. You didn't finish it. Amagami ham ham. Finish it? Amagami ham ham. Freeze. Freeze all humanity from such dilemmas. Such dilemmas. <laughs> you know, not just this one, but things also like this one. I mean, I guess you would have that kind of dilemma. Like, do I want to scold my kids? Or do I want to have my finger nibbled on? Mm. If this thing was available to buy, I would buy one right now so I could let you know what it's like. But it's The not person available. on the website says they're a PhD. What? Yeah, they know. Advanced uh, telecommunications research. Ah, not not in not. <laughs> they're, they're a nibbling PhD. I'm, a, nibble, do, I'm a doctor nib, of nibs. <laughs> in nibble, I'm a doctor in nibbleology. Yeah, from uh, the school of nibble <laughs> <laughs> nibble science. So if you're into play biting, and but you don't want your kids or your pet to do it, uh, you can pick this thing up. I want one, and I feel like humanity. Has other things we could be working on. I think, frankly, Stephen, you failed at this category. This clearly should exist because humanity needs it. It well, we have to. We've all hardened our hearts, Mike. That's, well, I haven't. Federico, would you want to complete the trifecta of televisions? Yes. Uh, oh, I just realized it was a tri- yeah. uh, what a t- a TV, TV show. show. <laughs> uh, so, see, as we said, CES is a TV show. Um, a thing that shouldn't exist, if you ask me, is the Samsung NFT TV. <laughs> so I'm just going to read you a couple of quotes from the story. So you will be able... So the, the this article from The Verge is about the Samsung announcing, promising this groundbreaking new feature for one of their televisions, NFT support, where you will be able, according to The Verge, to learn about an NFT's blockchain history from the comfort of your couch. Uh, Let's see. Uh, There was a quote that I meant to save here. um, And it said... With demand for NFTs on the rise, the need for a solution to today's fragmented viewing and purchasing landscape has never been greater, Samsung said in a, in a press release. Because what we know is NFTs, it's all about centralizing, yes. right? You don't want to decentralize the landscape. You don't want to fragment. We must centralize the landscape and seize the means of production. Samsung is introducing the world's first TV, screen-based, 
NFT Explorer and Marketplace Aggregator, a groundbreaking platform that lets you browse, purchase, and display your favorite art all in one place. This is ridiculous to me. I tell you what I find ridiculous about this, and I don't find it completely ridiculous. I feel like you two just like a compl- find it completely ridiculous. The thing that I don't like about this is why does Samsung need to be in the business of selling the, the NFTs? Like, I think the idea of like, look, if you own NFTs, right? If that's the thing that you care about, like, you know, that's your business. The idea of being able to display those NFTs on your television, like art in a frame. That's, you know, like I understand that. My issue here is that Samsung feel the need to make themselves the NFT buying platform. And it's like, no, no, Samsung, calm down a little bit. Take a step back. Just let people like look at their art on their television, you know? It's just like, oh, no, Samsung, we need to be the place that you buy the NFTs. Like that's, I don't know, I find it stupid. I mean, it's like if, for instance, there was a popular word game. Mm Mm-hmm. And you made some sort of shortcut to get on board the hype train. (laughs) (laughs) You should just get back to nibbles and baths. That's what you should do. um, Yeah, I've realized that that two of my three are about, you know, softening my heart and my skin, I guess. Any retorts, Federico? No, no, I was just... um... I'm still thinking about that robot, and uh, I also wanted to tell you that you will be able to display an NFT's blockchain metadata on your TV. Now, you see that part? Who, who, who wants that? Hey, there are some people out there who are really into this hey. farce right mm-hmm. now. Oh, man. <laughs> so, oh, man. R- gotta respect them. I like the show, and it was just about nibbling. <laughs> uh, BMW's e-ink car. Oh, this is this is quintessential CES to me. I have identified the only place that this can be used. Okay, in a James Bond movie, James Bond would want this, right? It, you could, if he could change the color of his car at any moment, from black to white or gray. I just had a realization that the next mm-hmm. James Bond movie is going to be about stolen NFTs. I hope not. I really hope not. Don't talk about that. Again. No time to render. That's good. I like it. Uh, so you, if you own BMW's E and car, which is also a concept, you can choose between the incredible options of white, gray, or black for the color of your car. You know what Casey would choose? I feel like the chance of this ever realistically changing in the future would be slim, right? Like, because... The, the idea of there being color that will be good enough through e-ink that you'd want it on your car uh, wouldn't be a thing. Also, I don't even think this would be legal because on the car's registration, you have to state the color, right? Yes. And if you change the color of a vehicle, uh, at least in most states here, I believe you have to let the registration people like know. <laughs> you just have three registration documents? Yeah. Uh, BMW says that this technology could be better for efficiency as white and black could affect, you know, how a, ha- a car would heat and cool, right? Because you've got like white and black reflect or or the opposite of reflect heat. This feels like a pure post-rationalization to me. Like, they're like, hey, do you want to make an e-ink car? Yeah, great. What can we say it does? Uh, heat efficiency? Sure, let's go for it. <laughs> Someone call engineering. This is, I don't know. This is just like pure CES bait, this one, right? This is like pure like, hey, what does it do? Oh, well, it's like, you know, the Kindle. 
It's like that, but the whole car. <laughs> Great. <laughs> cool. Someone smeared a Kindle screen all over your BMW. Yeah. Like genuinely, this this would be like honestly, like when I was like, yeah, you could imagine this in a James Bond movie, right? That like his car can change color. And it would be kind of cool. And it would be cool that the technology would actually be real. Which is like a fun thing, because like most of the time the technology is not real, but this would work. But If you want to take a nice relaxing bath in the links from this week's show, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 380. There you can also become a member and get Connected Pro, which is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. Uh, this week we spoke at length about Apple Frames 2.1, Federico's update to his very useful and amazing shortcut for putting screenshots into apple hardware you can find us uh, all online as well you can find mike on twitter as i m y k e mike is the host of a bunch of other shows here on relay fm uh, mike you got anything to plug this week cortexmerch.com go on by a theme system journal tis the time tis the season that's what i'll plug mm-hmm. you can find federico online at vitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i he's the editor-in-chief of mac stories net uh, federico what are you up to we are working on something kind of special for the end of january at max stories uh it's gonna be fun something that we've never done before this is the first time sort of like a nft s- nibble roundup okay so what if hear me out hear me out okay Sh- nfts and shortcuts that's my pitch you, if you mean if you did that you would make some money you could mint you could mint <laughs> music bot your most popular shortcuts. You could no, do that. I could, but no. So, I mean, if you need to buy a really expensive bathtub for a friend, you know, for a friend, that's the way that you could do that. I would rather have all my fingers nibbled on than do that. <laughs> we can make that happen for you for the low, low price. <laughs> Uh, probably a thousand. We get like, I don't know how much the nibble robot costs. <laughs> no, it needs to be done in person. It needs to be done in person. Like in the flesh. Uh, all right. I mean, Not that's a babies. different thing at that point. <laughs> this is how Stephen wields his annual chairmanship. <laughs> someone has to nibble someone else. <laughs> Did you know it. how much the nibble thing costs? No, I didn't see it. Get it done by a friend at that point, you know? <laughs> you know? Friends with in a, nibbly in a time benefits. of need. In a time of need, I would sacrifice myself. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH. I write over at five twelve pixels dot net, uh, and I put a video out this morning about the worst iPod Nano. I made some people very angry. I shared the same. I think it was Sean in the Discord. We shared the same thought of when I saw the video, remembering that that iPod had existed. <laughs> I had forgotten about that iPod Nano until I saw the image, the thumbnail. People are upset. They think it's a good iPod. It's not. I changed the title anyways because it was getting ratioed into oblivion with the downvotes. Oh, wow. That's such a strange... What a, what a weird hill to die on. I know. Pick a, pick a good hill to die on. Wait, were people like disliking the video? Yeah. Because what did you call it? The worst iPod Nano. And so now it says the weirdest Nano ever. How dare you say this is the weirdest Nano to be fair, is it weirder than the than the chunky nano? Yeah, because it had a screen and a click wheel. This thing has mm. bizarre. Go watch the video. It's like, it's just like a tour of the of the features. It's very strange. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week: Bombus, Fitbod, and New Relic uh, for supporting the show. Thank you to our members for supporting the show directly. 
Again, you can join at relay.fm slash connected. Until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.